Welcome to Awaken to Sleep Education. The, the goal in this is to give you some nuggets to take home. So, and I know that a lot of that is, frankly, when you get your questions answered. So I want to make sure we answer as many of those as possible yeah. tonight. Um, okay. That being said, uh, Dr. Manning, you have a compliment before I get to the questions. Someone says uh, your beard and your hair make you a very good looking dude. And I'm not going Thank to you. tell you who said that because then it would just spoil the surprise. Was it Dennis um, again? It was Dennis, wasn't it? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, um, okay. So uh, one, um, Martin asked, are home sleep tests as accurate and valid as a in-clinic sleep test or a polysomnogram? Um, I'll go ahead and take this one as the sleep tech uh, in the room. Um, the FDA has to clear every home sleep test in order for it to be used in the United States. That being said, there's multiple different sleep tests out there. So a blanket statement is yes. Every sleep test that's on the market currently has to be able to identify obstructive sleep apnea, and it has to do it within a level of accuracy according to an in-lab PSG. Almost every test out there is going to be, or pardon me, every test out there is going to be above 90% channel to channel accuracy. Some are 96%. So when you deal with that level of sensitivity and specificity in a home sleep test, the simple answer, Martin, is yes. If you're doing a home sleep test, it's absolutely accurate. The question is, are you testing for the right thing? Dr. Manning actually gave a lot of info on this earlier with relation to all of the different sleep disorders. Make sure that you're testing for obstructive sleep apnea or airway disorders that are within your scope as a dentist. If you're doing that, you're good to go with a home sleep test. If you're testing for REM behavior disorder, like waking up in Walmart with Cheerios in your cart, that's the wrong test. We wanna send them to an in-lab one. Um, okay, uh, next question is, uh, I screen patients, but when I try to get them tested, most balk at this. Uh, suggestions on how to change this or tips on how to position the HST with the patient. So this, this is a group that has home sleep tests? Let's say, they, let, let's say it's in your office. You have the home sleep test, you're trying to hand them out, the patients are balking at that. What do you do? Well, you know, I'd probably have to go back to a day when I wasn't awesome. Um, it is, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. Um, you know, the longer you go and the more you get your team calibrated, I, again, I'm not trying to dodge this question. Um, we can talk about a few things, but the longer you go and the more you get your team calibrated to talk about these kind of things and the more value you create when it comes to these things, far, far fewer people are going to, I will say, balk at it. There may be people that are hesitant to do that. You know, we'll, we'll ask them sometimes, you know, like, I'll just say, like, you seem hesitant to want to do this. Um, you know, is it, is it, you know, have you already had a test? Are you just nervous? You know, is there's, you know, like anything else, people don't want to do dental treatment and they balk at dental treatment because they don't see the value in it or they don't feel like they need it. Um, and so, yeah, again, I'm, I kid around when I say back when we weren't awesome, but we've got a team and, and when we talk about it, we, we talk about it in a way that makes sense to them. We talk about it in a way that creates value for them and we've made it fairly affordable. Um, you know, from a, from a standpoint of, from a standpoint of, um, 
this versus a, a polysomnogram, it's it's far less expensive and it's far less invasive. So for us, we don't get a lot of that. But if you do, I would just recommend breaking down like what they're balking at and, and mm-hmm. see if that's a shortcoming for your practice. I'm not calling your practice out, but I'm saying see if it's a shortcoming in value creation. Because the other thing that we've got to always say, whether we're dentists or sleep dentists, is we cannot care about the patient's health more than they do. You know, mm-hmm. we can't care about their teeth more than they do, but we can try. We can get we can try to make them want to care as much as we do. Yep. Yep. And uh, we've got quite a few more questions here. So um, I do want to, yeah, I I do want to keep asking those. Um, I'm not asking the chili cheese fries question. Sorry. I don't know who asked that. Um, I'm I'm trying to filter these. Thank you so much for the answer is yes, please. Um, How do we code for HST? Um, I know, uh, Dr. Manning, that's not your wheelhouse. Home sleep tests are coded depending on the channels. Most are going to be 95806. That's your four-channel home sleep test. If it has more channels than that, double-check how many and what they are. It may meet the 95800 criteria. 95806 or 95800. Um, Another one. uh, How do you deal with uh, relationships with the local sleep physicians? when you refer patients for CPAP and you've already used your own units to test patients in your practice. Do you have any pushback? How have you handled that situation in the past? Um, No pushback necessarily. I think the fact that you're making a referral to them at all lets you know that you value them. And I feel like they feel like that. You know, I I know that there are some that feel like we're taking business from them um, and we are, so that it's gonna be sticky. Um, You know, we just wanna be upfront with them and let them know like what we're doing. There's really not a great answer to that question other than you do want to find people and let them know like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And there's going to be quite a few of these patients that are going to, to need a CPAP and I need a place to send them. Yep. Um, My patients are not using the HST correctly. Even as we show them, do you guys make a video for it? Uh, Juanita, that's an awesome question. Dr. Manny, do you want to take that? Well, I know that there's lots of videos made by the manufacturers. Uh, you know, we're using a ResMed unit. There's a video that shows how to do it. When they're not using it correctly, it's been our, it's been sort of our experience that nasal cannulas will come out. So we will use Band-Aids on the nasal cannula to hold it down. We'll also use something taped to the back of the hand or the finger to keep the pulse ox on there. Those are the two biggest things that, that go wrong. After that, it's about yep. hooking up a belt around your chest. So when they're not getting the results you want, it's usually one of those two things. That's what I do, band-aids, tape. Yep. And uh, to answer the question about the video, yes. Uh, one of the workflow items that uh, we talk about in the course is automating a text message and email system to send that link out to your patients with a video at uh, seven to nine o'clock at night. So that way they know exactly how to use it when they're at home instead of in your office and forgetting how to do it. Uh, so great question. Um, another one, where do I go to learn more about home sleep testing for my office? Um, shameless plug, I guys- I The offer is still up. on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we, we are gonna talk in detail about that uh, at the course. Uh, if you guys just wanna learn more about home sleep testing, how the services work, things like that, uh, you can go to awakentosleep.com. Uh, if you're on that site, we do offer complimentary uh, coaching sessions. So if you wanted to ask a sleep coach, hey, I'm looking at these three different devices and here's what I want to do. Which one's the best for my practice? 
we'll give you honest answers for free. So if you have questions like that that are specific to your office, uh, I would go check it out there and schedule a call with a coach. Uh, nothing beats free. So uh, let's hit that. Um, uh, Kevin, you've got a great question. Patients who are testing and they show mild to moderate sleep apnea, and um, are you going straight into oral appliance therapy? Are we looping in their primary care physician? And how does that uh, affect medical insurance coverage? So Dr. Manning, that I'll was let a loaded you start question. that one. Yeah. First of all, yes, I, if I test somebody and I have a sleep physician read and interpret that and they send back a recommendation for oral appliance therapy, which they will, if they are mild or moderate, I go right into that. Now I still loop in their physician with a letter. It lets them know what I'm doing. It lets them know why I'm doing it. It has a copy of the sleep study and has a copy of the treatment. Now I will even go as far as to send them in the letter. It will say that I will send, be sending them an efficacy study which is a second sleep study used a few months after they've been on their, been using their oral appliance to check for effectiveness and, and send that as well so that the physician knows. Again, general physicians are dying for us. They don't realize it until they start using us, how much they need us. And that mm -hmm. sounds, that sounds arrogant, but they have people that are just driving them crazy because of sleep apnea and the symptoms that it creates and they can't use a CPAP machine. So the fact that we're driving this ship and they don't have to, and they're being successfully treated for their symptoms and the physician gets this off their plate. I actually used to market to physicians to say, send me your headaches, send me the crap, yep. send me the stuff that you don't want to deal with anymore. I'll take care of it. Yep. And I'll, I'll add a little bit of uh, medical billing flavor to that answer as well, Kevin. Um, there are some insurances that are going to require that the patient have a face-to-face -face with that physician. So as Dr. Manning just mentioned, he'll send a letter and request some documentation from that doctor. There are some insurances that'll require face-to-face. -face. Uh, the cool thing about that is that next month, uh, perfect parlay into our uh, telemedicine webinar next month, Dr. Jadeep Bijwadia is gonna join us. He is a extremely well-versed sleep physician who's gonna be talking to us about the sleep physician perspective on telemedicine and how that relates to the screening all the way to the prescription for the appliance. Uh, we're gonna interlace medical billing guidelines into that conversation and just an overall workflow. So if you've got a local doc that's not willing to write an order or see the patient and they're not on board, there's an answer for that. And uh, it's, it's a very streamlined one. So it's, it's a perfect parlay. This is, uh, if you guys wanna check it out, um, that is gonna be May 4th at uh, the same time, 8 p.m. Eastern. So that's the first Tuesday of May, if you wanna check that out. Um, another question, I, again, I'm trying to get through these because we do have a bunch. Um, can my team dispense the home sleep test or do I have to physically do it? It seems like it would save a lot of time if my front desk could do it for me. Uh, the answer is absolutely yes. If you're the doctor and you're touching a home sleep test, shame respectfully, on you. shame. <laughs> We said this is home sleep testing the right way. That's yeah. the wrong way. You're the yes. doctor. You Front desk assistant, hygienist. You train two or three people to do it and then never touch them again. Yep. Cool. Um, Dr. Manning, uh, what do you think about the Medibyte Junior? I don't know anything about Medibyte Junior. Sorry, you caught me. <laughs> I knew I'd get one. Yeah. Um, I, I, Dennis, uh, this is your buddy from Ohio. Um, 
Dennis, I'll, I'll give you a quick answer. Uh, the Medibyte Junior has been around for a long time. They are based in Canada, so sometimes getting supplies is rough. Um, and uh, their system is ingrained, meaning you don't have access to the raw data in your local software. From what I understand, uh, it's an online portal that you have to upload data into. Um, so again, uh, specific units, looking at specific needs in the practice, it's a very important thing. Um, there are other units out there that have the same types of channels that have a, an easier software interface. So maybe something to look at. Um, how do we code for the HST? We got that. Um, FDA requires at least 90% accuracy. Uh, oh, the FDA requires at least 90% accuracy are the misdiagnosed 10% typically false positives or false negatives how to correct a misdiagnosis. That's from Brian's. Um, Brian, that sounds like a sleep a, tech question there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so 10% is not uh, misdiagnosed to be uh, clear. We're talking channel to channel accuracy, meaning in an in-lab sleep test, you have channels that are recording raw data from the patient's electric signals and, and bio uh, feedback, if you will. When it receives that data, it's scored either by a program or a technician, likely both. There's inner score variability among that data that's recorded from in-lab testing. And that data is paired up against home sleep tests. So when we talk about a channel-to-channel -channel accuracy, we're not talking about misdiagnosis. Uh, that's a, a misuse of the term. But to be specific on that, if there is ever a situation where a home sleep test isn't picking up enough data in those channels, it's never going to equate to a false positive. So one of the things in using, utilizing a home sleep test is if you use it and the patient has symptoms and they come back negative, the next step in the protocol is either to retest again with a home sleep test or in adding multiple nights typically, or to refer for an in-lab test for further testing. So that's the, the protocol from a home sleep test standpoint. That's an awesome, very detailed question. Um, okay. Uh, Jeffrey's got a couple of CBCT airway volume questions. Um, do you ever use CBCT airway volume in CR versus protrusion to see if there is a benefit for oral appliance therapy? Um, I can how take that one. determine if that's work? Yeah. Yeah, so we definitely use the CBCT on all of our sleep patients. Um, the hard part about it, again, is CBCT is a screening tool and not a diagnostic tool. So you can look at volumes um, on CBCT in, a, in sort of a CR and a, in a protrusive position. It's just odd how sometimes it will work out and sometimes it will not. Um, it's sort of the same idea. Doing that is sort of the same idea as these rhinometry and pharyngometry where they're trying to detect where you might have an interference. We use CBCT. They use like sonar or something like that. There again, there's so many things that go into airway stability that we do during the day that we don't do at nighttime. So again, there are things that you can look at, but they're, they're a great screening tool. You can look at some volumes when you're moving things around. It might give you an idea as if they are apneic, if they may be a better candidate or a better responder. But again, unless we're getting data when they're asleep, I, I've never really snored when I'm not asleep and I've never really choked myself out when I'm, a, when, I mean, I'm sorry, when I'm awake, 
I've never choked out while I'm awake on yep. my own tongue. So it, it, we just have mechanisms that won't let us do that when we're awake. So yep. we'll even do those during a CBCT, even if we're in protrusive or retrusive or incentric, we're still going to be use, utilizing muscles to stabilize our airway that we may not at night. So again, they're great screening yep. tools. I love showing it. I love pulling it up and showing them the constrictions spots in their airway or right around the spot where most people with apnea have that, you know, ours are colored, you know, green, good, red, bad, but, but again, yep. it's not ever going to take the place of a sleep test. Yeah. Um, so on that note, uh, what do you think about, uh, pharyngometers, rhinometers, 20 seconds? I need 10 seconds. Um, they're fine. If any screening tool that you can get to help make a patient say, yes, I'm fine with, I don't use it. Um, I, I don't think it's necessary necessarily. I know people will disagree with me. I'd be happy to talk with them if they do, but anything that is a screening tool that can help patients say, yes, I'm all, I'm all for just because yeah. I don't use it. Doesn't mean it doesn't have some validity in the market. Yep. Uh, another question, if the obstructions in the sinus or related to nasal patency, does the HST work the same in detecting events? Uh, I'll go ahead and take that. Um, nasal obstruction does not cause apnea. Obstructive sleep apnea happens when the oral cavity collapses, um, typically at the base of the tongue. So if you have a nasal collapse, you naturally will open your mouth. You won't even wake up for that event typically. Um, there are some snoring events in the nasal passage that will wake you up but it's not going to cause obstructive sleep apnea. All right. Um, uh, one more uh, billing question uh, from Adrian. I don't have a clear answer if we can bill insurance for home sleep test as dentists. Uh, the answer is yes, you can. The big question is, will they pay? And that answer is very unclear, Adriana. Yeah. So we do, let me are, just tell her, let me just tell her yeah. in 10 seconds. Um, we bill a lot of medical insurance. We bill for even some dental procedures. We bill for our CBCTs. We do not bill for home sleep tests um, because it's become a colossal waste of our time. We are a full fee for service model. We, if patients really wanna pursue it, we can give them the necessary paperwork to pursue um, having that $175 paid for, but they can do the footwork because it, it just, we're just unsuccessful at that. It just happens to be something that we were unsuccessful at. Okay, last question, and this tells us that we are past our time. Someone asked, uh, what do you think about people that refer to crayons as Crayolas? Yeah, well, here's the deal. I'm fine with Crayolas. What I'm not fine with is C-R-E-N-S, Krenz. I got a friend who says Krenz, and it drives me crazy. Like, I got a box of Krenz. <laughs> can't, can't do it. Can't do it. Awesome. Well, guys, I guess on the uh, Crin's note, uh, we'll end this thing. Dr. Manning, any uh, closing words on that note? Two things. One, if you're really looking to take your, your sleep practice to the next level, it will have to have home testing. I just don't see any successful sleep practices that are not initiating their own tests in states where it's allowed, at least. And second, thanks to Awaken to Sleep and Somnomed for putting on this course tonight. It's been a fun night for me anyway. Sorry if it hasn't been for everybody else, but it's been really fun for me. It's always fun watching you do your thing, Dr. Manning. <laughs> we appreciate you. All right, you guys have a wonderful night and uh, we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us on this webinar. 
If you'd like more information on dental sleep medicine education, coaching, or home sleep testing services, please feel free to reach out to us at awakentosleep.com forward slash edu or at info at awaken number two sleep.com. Thank you and have a great day.